I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Resource Real Talk about Louisville Real Estate. I'm Gabe Pruitt. And I'm Jay Pitts. And, you know, and that's important. It is Louisville Real Estate. Louisville Real Estate. Yeah. And so we've got a special treat for you today as we set out in our last week's episode and some of the lives that we've done and inside the Facebook group. We are focusing more on Louisville Real Estate now versus the national trends that you've come to know and love from Gabe and I over the past two years. So The treat is today we've got a local practitioner here with us, someone who I came to know very early in my career, Gabe, and someone I have a ton of respect for, Miss Laura Oatley of the Oatley team at Keller Williams Louisville East is with us today. Laura, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me on the show. So not only is Laura the first guest of the rebooted, rebooted resource, second reboot, (laughs) um, you know, it's sometimes it's a pain when you don't exactly know how you want to get your message out there. Mm -hmm. But I think we're we're finally also our first live streamed guest to the group. First live live streamed guest, but also a listener of resource from the beginning. Laura has has explained to me that she has listened to all of, if not most of our episodes. Most of them. Yeah. Good. You should most do great them. at the quiz at the end. Then. Oh. <laughs> so, you yes, there will be a about. quiz. He <laughs> didn't tell you that. He forgot to mention that. It yeah. was a Google Drive link. I don't know if you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, we're, we're live. We're live on Facebook in the group. As we uh, explained last week, this is going to be a private group, a group that we're going to invite agents to. We're going to invite participation from local practitioners. We're going to discuss Louisville things versus national trends. We'll probably can't help it get into some national trends, but you know, like I said before, Laura made an impression on me. We did a, a deal very early in our in my career. Mm-hmm. You had been at it for several years at that point. Uh, you had a listing. I remember it was in condo development right down here off Shelbyville Road. Um, Dorsey a, Village? It's it's across from Mr. G's, right next to La Fontenay. Oh, Sycamore. Sycamore, City of ah, Sycamore. Yeah. And I sold it to a friend of mine by the name of Adam Wyatt. Um, which actually you had the listing for a girl that I went to the high school with, believe it or not. I don't know if you know that. But we showed up at the closing table and I went, wait a minute. So anyway, um, Laura made an impression on me during that deal. Um, and we stayed in touch. And, uh, you know, we're going to kind of get into a story of our business and the practice where Laura and I cross, uh, cross paths once again. But something I've always respected about Laura is her ability to kind of shoot straight, right? I, I think that that is a skill that we undervalue in real estate and having difficult conversations, as Gabe and I have done episodes on in the past, mm-hmm. is a skill that has to be developed. And I've always been impressed about um, your ability to do that with me as an agent on the you know cross side of a deal. And, and it, in this instance, where we're going to talk about here in a minute, it really, really hit home with me. And as usual, because I'm hard-headed, I have to learn lessons in a difficult way. Okay. So, Laura, I mean, talk to me about this. Is that something that you kind of set out to do or is it natural? What do you think about how that plays a role in your business? Uh, I've been told I have a very direct personality. Okay. Um, So I like to be candid with sellers because either you're going to deal with them now or you're going to deal with them in months from now. And if you 
deal with a month from now, they're not going to be as easy to deal with. I, I've often said, I'm, and I even say it to clients, like I'd rather be the jerk now mm-hmm. than be the jerk in six months when your house hasn't sold. Exactly. And so, you know, I've also said that it, it always pays to be the first love, the second wife and the third realtor or second spouse and the third realtor. <laughs> right. And so, and the, the reason that dynamic exists, frankly, and so many listings expire is because agents are are so hesitant to have the difficult conversation. Absolutely. So I guess without further ado, let's talk about the situation because my, my viewers and my listeners, especially the agents here in this company will love to hear an example of where I got egg on my face. So frankly, um, I'll set out the situation. I took a listing from a friend, uh, in Graymore Devondale, right, right here in Louisville over off, you know, Westport road, Darling listing, sold it really quick for a number that, you know, was probably escalated based on the market, not necessarily my skills at the time. And one of the neighbors took notice and called me out for a listing appointment. At the time of my career, this was 2012, the majority of my sales were bank foreclosures. I mean, if you remember, Lori used to refer me people in parts of the city that she didn't really feel comfortable working because she knew I would take those deals Okay, and I would run and do those deals. Um, I can think of a couple of examples. And so this was a good one. This was a great area. I knew it was very marketable and I was really excited to go out on this listing appointment and I go on it and I frankly have a difficult time with a seller that was very adamant, partially because I sold the house across the street for a really good number. She was very adamant about a certain price. Okay. She also had a very, very interesting problem. Okay. And Laura's eyebrows raised because she probably, you can probably your nostrils remember. This oh, house, she was a heavy, heavy smoker. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and not just, not just faint. Like you walked in and like walked out. Oh, smelled it like smacked it. you. Like it rolls out the door when mm-hmm. you open the door. No joke. It crushed you when you walked in the door to the point where she had ceiling fans that she never turned off. Mm. In that, do you remember that? Yeah. In her bedroom, she told me she never turned the ceiling fan off, and I turned them off for pictures. And there was funk uh, on the on the ceiling fan. It's this, like where you take a picture off the wall, and it's like a completely different color yellow. under the picture it frame. Was definitely that way. Yeah. She was. She was. She was. It was that seller. Okay. Awesome. So she was um, very adamant about her price for me, and I know you had a different example or a different experience. Um, and I took the listing knowing that I had some real challenge ahead of me with the smell. It was also very cluttered. Mm-hmm. I think you remember that as well. And it, so it was overpriced smoke house and cluttered like trifecta of this house will not sell. So I took it knowing I had real challenges and banked on the fact that I would be able to get her to make, you know, because of the strength of her personality and my assessment, I would be trying to catch up and you know, I probably made the mistake of avoiding the conflict for a little too long. And I had the listing for about 30 days and she called me up and said, I want out of my listing agreement. Okay. Is really what she did. And in in my, in my career and in my experience, I've always essentially decided that I let people out of contracts in most cases when they ask, because I don't want the frustration of having to, or the Try. bad reputation. Yeah, I don't want a bad reputation. I don't want them talking about the fact that I didn't do well, whether it was right or wrong, whether I really did anything wrong to deserve it. It didn't matter. I just want out. I want to be done. I want to be shed of the, the negativity. So I let her out. And, um, you know, about, I don't know, a day or two goes by, and I see the listing pop back up in the MLS. And <laughs> who has the listing but me? Miss yeah. <laughs> Oatley. The second thing I notice is – it's listed for about $25,000 less mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Interesting, this lady who was real firm on her price, he said. She was really firm on her price. And in fact, Marcy, I don't know if you can get this, but this is the property. Um, nice two, house. Two, two, it, wasn't, it was a great street, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but Laura took the listing at 225 I had it at $244.9. So $20,000. Okay. Um, and also, I'm remiss to say that Miss Oatley sold the house for two twenty three five in nine days. So, so 2012 too. So. It was 2012. That's not the so best market. That wasn't the best market. It was the beginning of a re- uh, of a kind of rebuilding market, mm-hmm. right? So, um, yeah. So, what was the difference? What happened? Well, I mean, Laura can tell you. What did you do? Well, I went in there and I was pretty firm on, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that, and you know, declutter. This needs to be gone. And she just kind of looked at me like eyes wide open at first, like. <laughs> But I think she liked, you know, being told what to do. I think she respected it more. Um, now, not every seller is going to really go that way. Some sellers are going to argue with you. But it is a little easier being the second agent. But. It is. but And you knew exactly what to do at that moment. And, and in fairness, I, I told some agents I had in training this morning, I wasn't equipped at that point in my career to deal with the difficult conversation that needed to be had right up front well, setting proper expectations are everything in this business and you've got to tell them that look you know i'm very direct i want to give you an honest opinion on the property i hope you respect that you know just be up front and say that and a lot of times they're like no i can handle it go ahead but you can tell those mm. that are not going to be able to handle it so you have to be careful when they're still going oh, okay then maybe back off a little bit <laughs> well I, I mean i think that's just it i mean i think we should really really focus in on the fact that laura was aided by the the lack of response that this lady received from the market under my marketing. Mm -hmm. Okay. She was aided by that. But regardless of that fact, she went in like the professional, took control of the interaction, made the seller make changes as a condition of her representation. I'm sure you didn't, wouldn't have taken the listing at 244. She probably tried to get you to. So she definitely did. I mean, and I've had a lot of sellers try to drive that boat too. And you know, when they tell you they want this price, you got to kind of put them back down. And, and I think I even said to her, and it's been so long, I can't remember, but I think I even said, I'm not going to take the listing to that number. Yeah. You know, you've done that. You've tried that. It didn't work. I'm not going to do the same thing. And it took me a little bit to get her to change. I bet, her I bet it did. Well, and, and here's another thing. Knowing Laura, Laura knowing me, she didn't go in and probably drag me through the mud. I know she wouldn't do that to me, right? She's like, well, <laughs> well, <I> mean, <laughs> no, no. Well, here's what I bet she did. I bet. And here's what I would have done. You know, today, given the same opportunity to come in after you. Here's what I would have said. I would have probably used it as an opportunity to cement the fact that that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Okay. She already made the decision to move on. My listing was canceled. It was over. Yes. Yeah, so you don't need to run over the other person. So, They're yeah, gone anyways. I don't, I don't need to do that. But what I can say is, you know what? Laura's a great agent. Okay. And if Laura couldn't sell your house at 244.9, then I'm not going to be able to sell your house at 244.9. There you go. Opposite approach. Yeah. Okay. So, so here's the thing. I understand that relationship. It just didn't pan out. It didn't work. You know, I respect Laura a lot. You know, I'm not going to sit here and talk about why she wasn't able to get it done. I'm going to tell you that you have two questions to ask yourself as a seller when you don't get results. Is it the agent or is it the price? Well, I'm here to tell you it wasn't the agent. Okay. I understand if you don't want to move forward with Laura and that, that ship has sailed totally fine. I'm here, but I'm not going to take the same price, the listing at the same price and have the same Make result. The same mistake. It's yeah. time for you to get results. Here's what you need to do. Exactly. Okay. And I guarantee you in some form or fashion, you did that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I have a lot of sellers too when I meet. If they're interviewing multiple agents, they'll say, well, the other agents say this price. And that kind of creates it to be very difficult, you know, especially with us coming into a market that we're coming into. I sure. mean, fall, winter, and, you know, shifting market, who knows? coming up. I mean, yeah. And so they're set in the expectation of what their friend got, maybe the neighbor across the street, as you mentioned. Or, you know, they think that, oh, well, everybody's going above and asking, you know, you. The market's going to change. So we need to prepare the sellers for that. We need to tell the sellers, look, this is a different market than it was in right. spring of this year. Yeah. Absolutely. And and so just to, to accentuate that, that was 2012. Mm-hmm. It's fall of 2019. That's seven years ago. That was the beginning of a recovery. And seven years later, we're still in pretty awesome real estate markets by comparison. I mean, Laura was in the business since 2003. Mm-hmm. So she lived through you know, in her real estate career has progressed through the end of one boom, a complete bust and recovery and the recovery that's lasted seven years. We've been on the uptick for seven years. It's so, actually hard to believe. It is, it is. It is like Game of Thrones style, just joking, not joking. Winter's coming. It's coming. Mm-hmm. Okay. We are going to run into that again. Mm-hmm. So setting proper expectations is going to help you not be the second or third agent but to get job the job done the first time around. And also don't worry about what other agents are saying because that's the problem too that I have with sellers is they'll say, well, agent A said we can get X amount and agent B said, I'm, you know, I, that's great they think that, but I'm telling you the honest truth. I think if yeah. you don't do that, you're going to be having that big reduction sign on the front yard. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be up there saying price reduced in a couple of weeks. You're going to be frustrated. You know, what is your goal? How quick do you want to get to your next goal? I mean, do you want to chase the market or do you want to get out in front of it? You want to chase it, you yeah. know? And some people, they're all about the number and they might not listen to you. Well, at that time until they call you later. But, you know, they might also say, you know, I really respect you. I've had people do that before. I've had people call me and say, I really respect that you are open and honest. I felt like the other agents may have been telling me what I want to hear. Yeah. Buying the listing. It's very typical. Very much. Buy the listing by offering the seller what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll do what you want. They're willing to be the goat in six months versus right now. Mm. Okay. So for those of you that don't know Laura, Okay. Um, just, just a little bit, a little bit. She sold over a thousand homes in her career. So you should know her. If you're here in Louisville, Kentucky, you ought to know Laura. But, um, yeah, like I said, she's here, she's here in Louisville. She sold over a thousand homes since 2003. Um, I would venture to say, and Laura, I've got some numbers pulled up here. So average sales price on closed for you in the last, in your career is 225,000. Um, in the last 12 months, 271000 Does that sound about right? I, my perception of your business is that you operate at a higher price point than I do. Yeah. I mean, most of our business is more like threes, fours, but we dip into fives and sixes. But yeah. we also, if somebody calls us at 150 says, I want to buy a house, we're like, great. I mean, we don't turn anybody down of as course long not. as they're a realistic Well, buyer. every price deserves great representation. Okay. Absolutely. So I, I totally understand that. But I'm interested in where kind of I want to take my line of questioning here, if you will, is... When you're so many times in real estate, we're dealing with percentage changes. Like mm-hmm. we deal in commissions as percentage. We deal in reductions as a percentage. We, we look at list to sales price ratio as a percentage. Okay. We look at so many things as a percentage. And as you grow the price point, percentages grow. That's, I mean, that's how math works, right? Correct. So when a seller looks at, you know, a $500,000 seller looks at a 1% price reduction. That's a $5,000, 2%, 10,000, 3%, 15,000. It's harder to move the needle at higher price points. So I guess my question is having those difficult conversations, is it easier 
or is it harder at higher price points? To have a price reduction? To have the price reduction question, to have the overpriced listing question, to to speak in terms of what it takes to get results is well, really what I'm driving at. I do think it's easier to get closer to the number you need to be at when it comes to a lower price listing because there's just not that much range. But when you get to the higher price listing, you're like, what's ten or 15000 when you're talking about 700000 Sure. But it's a Honda Accord. I mean, <laughs> is what it is. No, I'm just saying. No, I'm just saying. Like that's. I mean, that's the way some people look at it. So yeah. I had I had an interaction with one of my agents yesterday where she's dealing with a builder, and the builder said, "Yeah, you can have your own representation, but your price just went up three percent. Well, three percent at six hundred k is eighteen thousand dollars. And so now, in their mind, they round that up to twenty, and they say, "Are you really worth twenty thousand? You're really going to make us pay twenty thousand more for you to be involved?" I mean, so it's a really unfortunate situation, but that that is what's fresh in my mind. And I'm wondering, like, when you're talking to a seller and you're trying to get them to do what needs to be done to get results, like, I, my perception is, is that at higher price points, they're more capable of doing what needs to be done. Sometimes. Sometimes they're more stubborn. <laughs> the, the, they're capable. Mm-hmm. I didn't say they were willing. Willing. Okay. At lower price points, they may be more willing, but incapable. A seller reducing 5,000 may not net them what they need at at 180 may not net them what they need to get moved on. That's true. So I don't know. I'm just curious if there's any insight that you can Well, I just, I just came across that recently because, you know, we're in a market where we're going to actually have to dig out those new price riders that have been in the back of the closet. (laughs) Yeah. They're going to come out. There's dust and cobwebs. You know, I had to like do new listing signs in excess this year um, that, Hopefully, I don't price have to improvement. Do, yeah, price improvement. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're gonna have to find those riders. Uh, but you're gonna start needing them because the yeah. market is already. You know, I see longer days on market. Um, I'm seeing you know price reductions, which we never experienced before. Uh, but yeah, the answer to your question is that I have a higher price listing right now and I, I can't go for a five or ten thousand dollar reduction when you're talking, you know, six seventy five. That's like no. nothing. Ten thousand is nothing. So I had it's to go 25, for twenty five thousand. And yeah. they were actually I, I think because you have to set the stage when you meet them, you know. And I think that's a big thing. Like when you say to them, Hey, we can try the six seventy five, but the market's changed. You know, the market's going to be in a different market than you've ever experienced. So let's plan on us being at six twenty five to six fifty if we need to and just go ahead and feed that in there. And then meanwhile, keep them in the communication lane because you gotta you gotta talk to them and say, I noticed this listing got listed for less. This one just had a price reduction. This one just did that. Fight them with facts. And facts yeah. are very important because they can't argue that. And then when you go down and you say, okay, you know how we talked about that? We're gonna revisit that now. We're gonna go down to that six twenty five, you know, but first six fifty, whatever you do, it, it it's hard. But would you rather keep the listing for six months and then not sell it? I mean you just it's not good got for anybody to do it. Well so many things there. I'm really having a hard time I'm not interrupting. I'm so sorry because you're going and it's, this is amazing. But did, I want everyone to focus in on on her tone. I want every and you're basically role playing that just right there. Like I could be the seller and I could throw you an objection and we go back and forth. But what I hear is what we're going to do is yeah, and then we're going to do this and then we're going we can try but then we're going to so what she's doing there is there was no i the big thing that i picked no up was no we. i want you to do this or can we. we what do you think about x lots of we lots of collaborative language and assuming close right here's what we're going to do next yeah. here's if you want success here's what we're going to do and the tone is just so there's melody to it. Like you can tell that she's done. No, I'm serious. We're going to sing in a moment too. She's no, she's, she's done everything. 
that she needs to do to set the proper expectations up front. Which is something you said. That's when I wanted to interrupt. Following through on what she said she was going to do, predicting what's going to happen next, then when it happens, stays the course and gets the result. I mean, like that's in a nutshell. What Another thing that really, really hits home with me that I had not really thought about just now is there are sellers that she's working with, that we're all working with, that have literally entered the real estate market in the in the depths of a recession, purchased, upgraded, and now are selling and expecting only like clear blue skies. Exactly. Sure. Like they have bought at a the steepest discount they'll ever see in their lifetime, been able to sell an upgrade after a substantial appreciation, and then they're trying to do it again. And like there might not be like a pe- like a petulant child, they may not accept like the legitimate consequences associated with how the market moves. Now, Jay, I'll tell you a secret. Are you ready? You <laughs> I, need I need it. I need <laughs> it. I need it. Well, you already taught me one lesson in 2012, so give me another one, please. Well, you probably know this by now, but I actually go so far as to actually have them write it in the actual listing agreement that they will do that. So, you know, perhaps because what I find is sometimes sellers forget we had that conversation or they're in denial over that. So (laughs) if you say, remember, yeah, okay, well, it says 675. And then it said, if for some crazy reason, we don't have the house sold by, you know, two weeks from there, three weeks from there, we're going to automatically reduce it to 650. And then you just do it. And then you say, hey, just a reminder, we're going to automatically do that. I've had over the years a few sellers say, oh, I'm not going to do that. And they just won't. But most of them are like, okay, that's what we agreed to, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I was talking to another agent that went out. Okay, so this is a great example. And I was so proud. I can't. This is Kristen Andrews, by the way, and I need to shout her out here. She goes on a listing appointment, a competitive listing appointment for about a $700,000 property. And the person, the, the, the seller makes her aware that she's interviewing and that they, it's on like a Thursday or Friday and they have another interview on Monday. And she does like a full, like pre-appointment consultation, like all over the phone to fact find and get lots of information. And then like a day later, the seller calls back and said, Hey, I want you to know before you come out, I've canceled my other meeting. Super cool. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. You're 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 literally patting yourself on the back in that moment. Now there may be some pricing challenges, um, and so they go on the appointment, and that's when they realize the pricing challenge. And it's September, so you know Thanksgiving we're going to shut down for 45 days, and then hopefully things like the past few years pick back up in January. But who knows? Mm-hmm. Shifting market, um, election year, what have you? Who knows? So what they're writing is they're writing in pre-described uh, pre-prescribed price reductions over the fall listing and if the house isn't sold the listing gets canceled and they're relisting and the price and when wow in the spring that's pretty clever so my word to her was i don't know if you'll be able to enforce it frankly mm-hmm. but just setting that expectation up front makes you that much more likely because we all know we've taken properties off the market and something happens and brother-in-law or they talk to another agent and they bring in a buyer next the next call you get is the house has already been sold and they did it off market and they cut you out and it's this and that and the other but um i think that's i think that's genius writing it in is is. important 
I think it is because, you know, and I've seen agents do this where they just reduce it a thousand every week or 5,000 every week. And, you know, I don't know. To me, that gets almost like, oh, well, we'll just wait till next week. Exactly. <laughs> we'll see what happens next week. You don't want to decrease your price on a schedule because once people get tuned in, they just wait. Yeah. And then also, you know, as far as getting those notifications, if you have yourself set up on a search, it's like constantly that same house. And then you're just like, mm. the perception that you're creating is yeah. desperation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I have, I have written in contracts too, that if we pause the contract, it will resume the contract and not restart the dates, but resume the dates from the date that we stopped. Okay. Because you have to do that too. Cause you're right. I've had that happen to me. I've had that happen where they take it off to do some repair work. And then, you know, that, Lo and behold, somebody can just magically pops up and buys a house. Well, people don't. People oftentimes don't expect you to enforce your contract. They don't respect that it mm-hmm. is a contract. Like, and, and I think that's only the agents. You know, the only the agents' fault for not clearly expressing the relationship. But it does go back to: Do you want an angry person talking about you, or do you want to just let them go? And see, that's the struggle that I have. It's if true. I'm going to let somebody out if. If it's something legitimate or if it's something that I'm going to be like, hey. I want the choice. Yeah. I want the choice of whether I'm going to enforce my contract or not. Right. You know, I have a listing right now that's that's listed with someone else. They asked me to take it off the market. And without talking to me, they relisted it. And it's an expensive one. Okay. And then they relisted it. And the next thing I saw, it was on the market with another agent. Well, I have a valid listing contract. Oh. Uh-oh. So they're double contracted. They may know it. They may not. They didn't care to know it because they didn't ask my opinion. What are you going to do? And I did a great job. Well, I'm going to let it go because I really don't want to mess with it. Mm. I just don't. And it's an expensive one. So so what – is it really worth it? I that's mean, that, I, that's going to be a nice commission check when that house sells, but then when they have to pay me the double commission. <laughs> and they didn't realize it and they didn't And they didn't realize it. Then what – I mean, where, where does my reputation go after that? Because that's- there's so much opportunity for them to color the interaction. And make me look like the bad guy. So I'm not going there. Well, that's the other thing I was going to say. When you have a house listed too long because you're afraid to have that upfront conversation, I'm always worried that, you know, that sign in the yard is going to cause more damage. You know, people are going to drive by and be like, oh, look, they haven't been able to sell that house for still six for months. Sale. Yeah, yeah. Still for you sale. You know, I've considered going to pending signs. I've never used them before in my career, but I've continued. I, I've considered going to that just for that simple reason, because I'll have a property pending for 90 days that's sold in six days. Then and you want the calls. So. I do want the calls. So it's kind of. But <laughs> I worry about the, the reputation more than that. Yeah. I think because. The market's market, changed. Well. Uh, I mean, my, my viewpoint is an archaic one. It may yeah. still be accurate, but it is, you know, it go, dates back to when sign calls were a lot more prevalent. Oh, I remember those days. Yeah. I we remember. Had a lot of success on them, <laughs> I mean, probably. 2003, they didn't even have this thing called the internet. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it existed. It's just yeah. like Zillow didn't exist. No, and like Realtor.com Facebook? was terrible. Oh, no, no, no. None of that. Facebook. Exactly. I joined Facebook in 2004. Go ahead. Old school Facebook. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's cool. When it was just Mark and his it buddies. Wasn't, it wasn't the Facebook then. It was at least Facebook. They dropped the the. Okay. Remember the. Oh, no. Well, I've got a question for both of you. Okay. So as both of you being tenured agents with a lot of experience, sold a lot of homes, and both of you having personality types that naturally predispose you to having these direct conversations well, like, would you agree? Would you feel like just like your personalities in general, both of you are capable of having these conversations pretty mine's comfortably? A lot of, mine's a lot of practice. Okay. I will, and I'm I sure will. yours is probably a lot of practice too. You know? I am very direct. I'm okay. Told that. I think Laura, I mean, honestly, very early in, in my career, I viewed Laura as very adept at having difficult conversations. Sure. So what I'm getting at is what would you say to someone who's listening or watching right now that naturally feels very uncomfortable in those situations? They're an agent that probably has a lot of promise, but 
just difficult conversations, just give them the heebie-jeebies. They're the warm fuzzies. Now, do I have to wait for Jay or do I have to interrupt? No. Hold on. Yeah, so <laughs> for someone that's a warm fuzzy that has had a listing sit too long and they want to figure out how they can be true to themselves, you know, and not like turn into a dictator with their sellers or their prospective sellers maybe, they want to get better at it, but they don't feel like they naturally have the gift of, of the direct conversation. What would your tips to that person be? Facts, facts, facts. You need to bring out facts. You need to bring out, when I do a market analysis, I don't always look at just the neighborhood. I look at the outset of the neighborhood because you just never know. Maybe there's new construction, you know, benefits going on right down the street that's killing your deals. I mean, maybe Mm -hmm. there's this, you know, I don't know, condo development that's going up right next to these really expensive homes. There'd be all sorts of things. So you come in there and you argue with facts. And that's probably the number one compliment I get is I come in with facts. You're prepared. Prepare. You do the research. Prepare. Yeah, I have a lot of sellers tell me, "Oh, the other agent didn't bring in anything, or they just brought some automated CMA," and I don't, I don't trust those automated mm. CMAs. Because how much harder is it when you don't have anything in front of you and you just say, "You've just got to trust me. You got to do it twenty thousand less than what you want. You got to trust me." They're like, eh, "I don't trust you, yeah. actually." <laughs> I think it's, I think it's very important. Um, it's very important to argue with facts, and and also don't apologize for facts. Mm-hmm. You didn't create the facts. You didn't create the market. Or I'm, how I'm they a, feel because of them. Yeah, and and those their consequences are not yours. Don't apologize. That That's my my number one advice is don't apologize for things for which you cannot control. Okay, don't say, I'm sorry, this price is... Literally, I think the words I'm sorry really, really have impact. And it's you taking responsibility for things that you can't control. So now it's your fault. You're not good enough to give me that price. Yeah. That's not the case. Let, like, the, let the facts take say, the fire for say you. Say it's yeah. unfortunate that... I, wish. I hate this or, or I wish we I could tell you that. Mm-hmm. I wish that okay. Happened. Unfortunately, this is not your situation. So that that's one thing. The other thing I would say, Gabe, is if it's not your if if you're not predisposed to having the difficult conversation well, if you have serious amount of anxiety, there's a good chance that you haven't set proper expectations. And what you have to do is start with a mea culpa. You can apologize for not having the difficult conversation earlier. And I think that gives you an opportunity. Remember, you got a contract in most cases. Like you got a listing. Like they're they're committed to you. So say, you know, I'm really sorry that we didn't discuss this sooner, but here's what the market's telling me. Facts. Yep. Here's what the facts are here, not here and now. Right. I'm sorry we didn't discuss this before. If there was a miscommunication or or you know some some unsaid kind of expectations, some things that we didn't really get to. I'm sorry we didn't discuss it before now, but here is where we are. Let's start where we stand. Yeah. And you have to take control. So, like, there, there is no, I'm not good at this. Like, mm-hmm. you have no choice. Yeah. Your choice is to be out of the business. And, Gabe, I do think you just got to remind yourself, either I'm going to have this conversation now. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm going to get antsy, headache, stress. When everyone's upset and trying to point a finger and doesn't know where, like, who's to blame. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they know who's to blame. It's you. Yeah. Which is why another <laughs> thing you said earlier, I think is huge is having a lot of this we language, right? I think it's important, especially in your first meeting with someone to remind them, because if it's been a long time since they've transacted real estate, maybe they don't remember. We have a, a mutual goal. Like I only win if you win and I only win big if you win big, like we are in this together. So if I'm suggesting you do something that's slightly painful, it's not because this, like I'm trying to yeah. elevate myself, make it easier for me, harder for you, or I'm trying to get this done so I can get paid sooner. It's like we, I only get paid when you get paid. Period. In- incentives are aligned. Yeah, we are. We're on the same team from jump. I've had a lot of success telling sellers specifically that I have, I have nothing to gain unless you reach, you achieve your goal. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I, I mean, so. <laughs> I would never give you advice that didn't serve my interests. Like, so why would I do that? Look at my track record. 
Okay. The, I get results. I don't need practice. Okay. You are not practice for I'm, me. I am here to get results. That's what I didn't do when Laura took that listing and sold it. Yeah. Okay. Probably would have I was, I serious business. I was not ready. I had not sold. I'd probably only sold regular deals, non REO deals. I don't know, 40 or 50 in my career at that point. It actually said it in the agent notes. This is not a bank foreclosure. Yeah. <laughs> I used to do that. No, no, no. So you had not, to. They'd see your yeah. name. Yeah. Think, oh. I had to do that because I didn't want my listings to be typecast as bank foreclosures. Yeah. Well, I that's can pull that up and show you right now. Literally. No, I get it. That makes at sense. At that point in my career, I was, I was ill-equipped to handle a difficult seller. If the market didn't do the job for me. And, and you know, I'm fortunate that I had that niche, that niche at that point in time, I was profitable in an era when not very many people were profitable. And so, and it allowed me to be strong when other agents were weak and I got to pivot. Trust me, I learned a lot from those kind of lessons. There, there's, other, there's more of them, but I pivoted and I pivoted fast. I mean, I remember having conversations with Laura going, hey, you're doing like normal stuff now. <laughs> like, like, when did that happen? Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, she's surprised that I've got like houses got, with like, people in them. Like, Wait a second. I've got tw- <laughs> your houses have furniture now. Yeah. <laughs> like, what happened to that? But no, I, I, um, I think we're just about out of time. I will but, tell you one other thing ahead. that you were saying. You know, as far as taking on a listing, if if it's not the right listing, you can decline it. Oh yeah, which is a hard thing for new agents it's to hear. It's a very hard thing to hear. But I mean, I told people point blank, I don't need another sign in the yard that's not going to sell. I don't. Mm-hmm. My reputation yep. is on the, the line. I'm, I'm I don't just take any listing. Yep. And you know, I, I appreciate your time. However, we have a difference of opinion on this, and you know, if something changes, let me know. Yeah. It's very hard to do, but yep. you got to remember your time stress and the opportunity cost of missing potential other business because you're so wrapped up in this one particular uh, deal and it's causing heartache. And you know. Yeah, like I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I know from get-go that I'm not going to be as successful as I know I'm capable of and that my results prove. Okay. So like, I'm not going to give myself an, an L and know it like right now. I really, I really, I have to tell this. I know we're a little over on time, but I have to tell this because I have to get Laura's reaction to this. Oh, okay. So, so I'm going to tell on myself. Have you, have you, did you listen to our 8% listing episode? I did most of it. And okay. then I was like, 8%? Okay. Now I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I went on a listing appointment the other day, competitive listing appointment with one of the top agents in town. One of my, uh, actually two of my team agents went with me, one that prospected the appointment and set the appointment, another that is brand new. And she, you know, she came to observe he and I present in a listing setting. The seller was a, was a, was a broker in California. Oh, they probably used to that. Inactive broker's license and, um, wanted very quick results. Overpriced listing, asked for a short contract. Lots of, lots of distrust. Okay. Short listing overpriced. Right. Okay. <laughs> so what I, what I did is I presented the 8% listing and I lost the listing because of it. Okay. And I, he asked me to take less and I told him no. And I walked away knowing that there was a good chance we didn't get the listing. And when he called to notify my agent that we did not get the listing, that he hired the other broker at 6%, he told him that our presenta- presentation was way better than the other agent. Okay. Now he may be just letting us down easy, but I frankly think because of this gentleman's personality and how direct he was, I think he was telling the truth. Okay. So I just gave up and it was a $360,000 listing by the way, it was, which really should have been about three forty. Mm-hmm. Okay. Between you and me. And I lost it over two percentage points. Now, how much is two percentage points on 300 and some odd thousand, right? Like and seven then, grand. Yeah. So, 
for seven grand, I could have, you know, probably whittled his price down a little bit and taken the listing because I presented better. But the truth is for me, I knew there was a very small percentage chance of success uh-huh. in a very short window. And it was more important to me to make the point to my agent who really wanted the listing that there was very little chance of success under these circumstances. And if I was going to get it, it was going to be on my terms. It was going to be on my terms. And I had to take control of that situation. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, I, I turned down this guy who had a nice price listing once and he just could not fathom that I turned him down. <laughs> I said, I just feel like we are not men you know, for each other. You know, we have difference of opinions and that maybe you need to go a different direction. I just knew it was going to be an uphill battle dealing with him. He was not going to listen to me. He was very disrespectful of my time and my energy. And it was already causing stress for me. And I'm like, I really, you know, I don't need It's this. so hard moment to moment deciding when it's right to fight for your value, fight for the business that you in, invariably want. I mean, I don't know what that listing was, but 360 was hard enough for me to pass on the 750 that or 850 that I'm letting go that the other agent has listed right now. Like I want to fight for myself, for my business. I want to convince them. Mm -hmm. And so like knowing when you you're capable of convincing someone to see it your way and when you can deliver results, it's a really hard thing to do. It is. Cause then, you know, you start second guessing yourself. Well, maybe I could have dealt with him, but then when you deal with a a personality like that for a period of six months, think of the business you lose trying to wrangle that one seller every day. The biggest thing. The, you know, a mentor of mine, a, a gentleman who's a coach and trainer and a very prominent figure in the real estate business, Tom Ferry, says they're energy sucking vampires and you can never quantify what you lose working with someone like that. Yeah. Well, I would never put that on air for my mouth. <laughs> for what? For your guy? Yeah. For, for, for coming from me. But I mean, definitely, it, you know, the stress. Well, you just said it. The stress, though, is. You never know what it costs. You. It's going to be. It's opportunity. Yeah. I, I could have said it nice. It's more like, you know, you just know they're not going to change. And if yeah. this guy you mentioned with before said that, <laughs> said that he's going to be difficult to deal with and he's going to be, and you knew it, you're better to go try to find other listings than try to sell. You're absolutely right. See, Laura taught me how to deliver difficult messages <laughs> in 2012. Yep. And so here and we look are. At you and now. look at me. I progressed past. Laura's like, I don't think I'll do that. <laughs> you know, what'd you say? Energy sucking vampires? Energy sucking <laughs> yeah, okay. vampires. Okay. They extract your energy. Is that better? Energy yeah. extracting vampires. I'm going to edit my. Extracting. Anyway. It sounds, uh, it just makes me shiver. I, I understood what you were saying. Okay. Well, anyway. All right. So let's, 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 let's close on this. Um, it's, it's safe to say that setting proper expectations, having difficult conversations up front, okay, pro, um, professing your value, showing that you're in control, those are all good things. I yeah. mean, anything to add to that? Having all the facts constantly. The facts. The facts. Such you, a novel idea, right? I know. You got you to gotta keep them up on the market. You can't just stick this on there and you know, walk away. You need to say, this house sold. This house is pending. This house is your credit. It's not me. It's, it's, it's the facts. It's the yeah, market. It's the facts. That's amazing. Yeah. Love it. Well, it's so simple, yet so much ignored in our industry. People show up, they fly by the seat of their pants, they try to trade on emotion and close personal relationships, and they don't, you know, they, they allow passive activities to try to drive results, and it's just, they have no explanation when the results don't come. So maybe say we. 
A we. lot Lots more of we. We. we, we, we. Collaborative language. Oh, yeah. Well, Not we. French, we. We need to get We, we get are going. out of time. So, hey, make sure to join us next week. If you join us live, thanks so much for watching. But we're going to be back next week with another top producer agent. Real quick, agent. real quick. Take before it, we go, go we're coming back with another agent next week. That's what okay. I said. As, as I remember, well, I just would like to remind <laughs> no, everyone you're good. that we're we're live in a in a private Facebook group a secret Facebook group. You can't even search and find us. Okay. Yeah. So if you're a member, if you're a member of Remax premier properties here or a member of another brokerage that, that we've invited, um, and you know, people in your office that you would like to have be a member. Okay. Reach out to us. It's easy to find us through Facebook and other things. You can find us message. You still us find the, the resource page. Yeah. And, and, and please, please, please. If you're a member of this group contribute, we welcome posting to the group. If you've got some, you know, comments to chime in on what Laura or, or Gabe and I said today, like we want this to be a community of people that like to collaborate on, you know, like-minded topics. Yeah. So, don't ever hesitate to contribute. That's something that's very, very important and integral to the success. Yeah, success and Laura's actually. in the group. So if you have a question, she might just answer you. you Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. Feel free to reach out to me. I'll answer you. You know I'm direct. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For Gabe Pruitt, Laura Odley, I'm Jay Pitts. Resource Real Talk about Louisville. Louisville. Louisville I messed it up. How did I mess it up? And we'll see Louisville you next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Oh.